good things must end Call it a night The part is over And tomorrow starts the same old thing again And tomorrow starts the same old thing again Buffalo's home for ESPN Radio, 1520 AM, WWKB Buffalo. Do you like beer? Do you want to learn how to make your own beer? It's time for Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Home Brew. Here's your host, Jeremy White and Bert Deister. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It. Happy NHL free agency. It's uh, July 1st, so... You can make beer while uh, NHL GMs are out there signing guys to millions and millions of dollars worth of contracts. You got it. Should be exciting for the Sabres. We'll see. So anyway, that's on WGR. But we're talking beer and home brewing. Uh, Jeremy White here with Bert Deister on ESPN 1520. So open today and closed until the 5th. You got it. Not so open on mon- you're not open on not- Sundays normally, but you're also closed on Tuesday, and you sandwich in the Monday in there, yeah. so it's nice. So we saw the Tuesday holiday. We figured we were going to take advantage. We don't get very many three-day weekends in retail, so we're looking forward to this one. So that means if you need supplies, you got to get in today. Um, We'll be all staff on hand. We'll know we'll be busy, but we should be ready to grind your grain, get your orders together. Gotcha. All right. Well, very good. We'll toast the founding fathers. And uh, Are there any beers that are, if we're celebrating July 4th, I mean, it's too late to make a July 4th beer, but um, you're big on like history of beer and all that. Around the time of Independence Day. Spruce beers. Spruce beers. If you really wanted to have that, like, authentic, you know, beer to toast to our founding fathers, we have, like, George Washington, Patrick Henry, Thomas Jefferson, Samuel Adams, Jay Madison. Those are just the people who were brewing right around the Revolution. I didn't go any further. We didn't go, like, into American history, you know, past our independence. But they were all brewers. Um, and if you wanted to make a beer that kind of was an ode to them, I would do a spruce tip ale. Um, there wasn't any established hops in the New World, um, nor was there the greatest equipment. And so both spruce needles and spruce tips became bittering agents and the kind of false bottom or like kind of like modern brewers would use rice hulls today to kind of lighten up the mash. Um, and these were the beers that they were producing. Very cool. We talked about that before. I think so, yeah, a while Around ago. Christmas, maybe, we were talking about? Would it be a dinner on Christmas or spruce beers? Oh, I can't remember. I if you want to make it good time, is spring to midsummer right. to collect the spruce tips. Um, but it's often the beer people do want around I remember the holidays. This. It was maybe when you're throwing out your Christmas tree? Would it have been maybe. that time of year? I think, though, that would be a good time of year. Because you need a ton of spruce tips, right? Also, sitting around, you just smell spruce yeah. You know, yeah. all season. So. All right, well... So we, we're not going to do that. We're not going to make a spruce beer, and we're much too late in the game to toast the Founding Fathers that way. Uh, anyway, at the store, here's a way to toast the Founding Fathers. Make a New England IPA, right? There you the, go. the birthplace of our country is uh, mostly New England. So you guys got an IPA box kit on the way still, or is it in? We have one coming on the way. We have uh, a couple – one recipe we've piloted. We want to do one kind of final version. We're going to make one little tweak on the hop. So if you want to taste a similar beer – We have a similar beer on tap at the store right now. It's not going to be the exact beer. Uh, If you want to come in and try it, we can tell you exactly what we're going to do to kind of get to the final product. Very cool. So New England IPA box, get on the way. Hop rhizomes on sale. You got it. And a lot of them. 
we still have some. Okay. We're out of a couple varieties. Oh, uh, Comet, I want to say a couple of the German. Uh, we always buy extra, you know what I mean? So we know we'll have some continue on the season. Uh, we're really getting into the last couple of weeks where you can plant. Um, we always tell people it's better to plant the year before, even if it's really late, you're going to get uh, an established plant and it's really going to take off next spring. But starting some point here, you worry whether the plant's going to be able to build up enough glucose to make it through the winter and start off next spring. We're starting to get to that worry. So you got another week or two if you want to get them in the ground. Again, you got a week or two. We still have some good-looking rhizomes in the store, but you're running out of time. I see no galaxy on this list. Finally gone? Oh, no, not at the – yeah, we don't have any at the moment. Uh, I believe we have some coming in again, but there was a little bit of a lack. Right, we had the limit of – Two per customer you for a long it. time, and you finally sold out of those, and you're looking mm-hmm. to back that up. Okay. And we're also going to have cryo hops coming soon, too. Um, so we have put in our pre-orders from that. Uh, we don't have an exact date of when they're going to be coming to us, but we've ordered cryo hops. So have a look out for those. If, if people are wondering what the cryo hops are, they're a, a Lubland extracted powder. So if you like the kind of big fruity flavors or, you know, citrusy flavors, you know, passion fruit uh, in your beers, uh, this stuff is supposed to be those flavors supercharged. Um, without any of the kind of piney or, you know, really bitter flavors that you usually get from the hops. will be interesting to see how we're going to use these. Um, from the looks of it, uh, dumping in, you know, one ounce of this stuff is going to be like dry hopping for, you know, two ounces of the equivalent hop for about a week. Mm-hmm. So it'll, be, it'll really be a game changer when it comes to some of these big, like, New England-style IPAs to be able to open up a package, dump it in, watch it almost instantly dissolve, and like, there, I got all my finishing and aroma. Summer draft supplies? We have tons. So we got tons. If you're looking for party taps today, yes, we have them. Yes, we sell them. No, we do not fill CO2 cylinders. So you're going to have to head to, you know, Praxair or straight welding or like, you know, if you're looking for really an emergency, like big catch bait and tackle fills CO2. And they're a bait shop, so they have some long hours. Where is that? They're on Ontario and Niagara. Okay. Uh, right down by the river. Okay. So if it's 5 o'clock in the morning and you desperately need CO2 for your kegerator, head on over. Everything in stock. It's kind of nice that one of the CO2 places <sighs> is very close to you, the Prax Air. Yeah. Because you've mentioned many times before, that's just a retail location. You can just you can yeah. get it done there, even though that's you know such a big place. Yeah. No, I pop my trunk. I walk in. I tell them what I got. Um, I go outside, show a kid in my receipt. He swaps him in and out of my trunk, close the trunk, and I pull away. I'm out in about five minutes you're not going to get that same kind of quick service at some place like a paintball shop, you know, a fire hall or like the bait shop, which is my go-to emergency CO2 uh, location. Um, But those places are still there in a pinch. And if you're, you know, if your kegerator has run out on July 3rd, you're going to be looking for CO2 no matter what the weight, no matter what the price. If you listened to last week's show, we talked about using a Randall and uh, using a Hop Rocket as well. You can find any episode of our show on demand at ESPN 1520's website, also on demand at WGR550.com as well. So today we're going to get into yeast pitch rate. So before we actually get into the nuts and bolts of this, like just before our break here, when you, when we're talking about yeast pitch rate for the home brewer out there, what is, um, I guess, why is this super important to listen to for the rest of this show, this, this little start and then next segment, the, the specifics. If you start out brewing um, just average alcohol ales and you're using dry yeast, um, you are getting more than enough yeast for what you need for pitch rate. And you're going to go through your first 10 beers and not realize that you really are uh, 
kind of forgetting about something here. Um, once you start getting into lagers, higher alcohol beers, um, or using liquid yeast, which come with a lot less cells per pack, um, you have to start worrying about your pitch rate. Because having the wrong amount of yeast to start, especially too little, can kind of create a snowball effect throughout the beer and causing problems with fermentation and conditioning at each step. So not having enough yeast in the beginning is going to cause you a problem at each step of the beer. Primary fermentation, um, through conditioning and through bottling, uh, you're going to have some problems. So you okay. really want to get the pitch rate right. So it's important for all kinds of beers. You got it. And to be quite honest, this um, episode is brought to you by my mistake. Oh. <laughs> so I've always gone by... Um, the dried yeast recommendation as far as what they think that their active cells are per gram. Um, I was pushing it on whether I needed to do an extra pack with a lager. Uh, I decided, no, do you want to want to, I'm going to stick with just one pack. I'm fermenting warm. I think I'm going to be okay here. And I got a lot of more you know, fruity flavors than I had in the previous time on that batch. And what I'm thinking happened here, I mean, there's a lot of factors, but what I'm going to blame is that maybe the dried yeast packet did not have any as many active cells as it usually does, still below, you know, above their minimum, but below their maximum, and that caused me to get a fruitier lager than I wanted to. And it was something that I didn't sit down to do the math really quick. would have taken me five minutes, would have cost me an extra $3, and saved me a lot of frustration. All right. So let's take a break, and then let's get into the nuts and bolts and the meat and potatoes or whatever of uh, pitch rate, yeast pitch rate. It's Nog Traditions Just Brew It here on ESPN 1520. <coughs> Step aside, get into that, and uh, take you through this Independence Day weekend. Happy holiday to you and yours. Be safe. Drink responsibly, all that good stuff. Uh, yeast pitch rate, next. Jeremy White here for Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. You're listening to Just Brew It, which means either you homebrew or you're thinking about it. Wherever you are in the process, Niagara Tradition Homebrew is your source for everything homebrewing. Do what I did. Get a starter kit, and you'll be well on your way. Niagara Tradition will be there to answer your questions, give you advice, and as I try to become a more seasoned brewer, I know I can count on Niagara Tradition to be there with the supplies and the advice I need. Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supply. 1296 Sheridan Drive, near Military, in Tonawanda. Open Monday through Friday, 11 to 7, Saturdays, 10 to 4, and 24-7 at nthomebrew.com. Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Pay them a visit, and remember to just brew it. Back here on Niagara Traditions, just brew it on ESPN 1520. Uh, open today, closed Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. So if you need to get your brewing supplies, a reminder to get to Niagara Tradition today. Today. And if, if you're getting in the door before 4 o'clock, we will stay with you. So if you get in the door before 4, you get a big grain order, don't feel bad. Everybody's paid by hour. We'll stick around. We'll wait. We'll crush your grain. We'll answer all your questions until you feel confident we can get you out the door. All right. So yeast pitch rate. We, you did the little cliff notes. You told us that it's brought to you by your mistake. Uh, mm -hmm. Where do we begin? Well, um, let's talk about what you're getting um, normally when you're buying yeast. Um, so normally when you're buying, say, dried yeast, they claim to have 20 billion cells per gram. Um, so about 220 cells per package. And if you're brewing five gallons at 60 points of gravity, um, most calculators should say you should have about that, about 220 to 250 billion cells. So you're covered. You have the right amount. You're going to have no problems. Even if you do a poor job on nutrients, uh, you know, aeration, you're still going to have a really great beer. Um, 
if you start doing higher alcohol, if you start doing bigger volumes, if you start doing lagers, um, all these things are really going to affect how much yeast you actually um, need. Um, so what really happens if you don't have an, enough yeast? So the first thing you're going to see is a slow start to the fermentation. So there's not enough total cells to do the work of the fermentation. Um, as they kind of well, realize, but that kind of implies consciousness, as they kind of acclimate to the, um, the conditions, they begin budding. Um, so the cells you know, they don't pop out new cells, but they split in half, and they do that over and over again. The cell size starts getting smaller and smaller and smaller, but they continue budding until they've reached an adequate population number per the amount of sugar. Once they do that, they'll begin fermentation, and so we normally call this a lag. So if you didn't have enough yeast and you didn't really have enough aeration, you'll notice your beer sits there for, you know, anywhere from 12 to 24 hours, not fermenting like you would. Now it is metabolizing but it's not producing alcohol it's not producing co2 so once it starts to ferment you may notice a diacetyl flavor kind of buttered popcorn flavor that we often talk about in the beer and that's actually a byproduct of the budding um and it's going to be it might get eaten up by the yeast later on it might condition out but usually it's going to linger around for quite a while now the fermentation might be duck. It might have slowed down and it might have stopped fermenting at say like 50% attenuation. So only really got about halfway done before shutting down. The yeast cells are getting old. They're getting stressed from all this budding. They've scarred up their membrane to the point where they're having trouble getting nutrients in and out through the lipid layer. And so this has slowed down the fermentation. Um, they're going to start producing strong phenols as well. And they're not going to go up back and clean up their diacetyl and acetaldehyde. So you kind of see what I'm talking about, mm -hmm. this kind of escalating like snowball effect is you have not enough yeast, then you continue getting problems um, later down the road. Um, so now you're starting to get this fermentation going again. You've added an energizer or a lipid base. You've re-oxidized or you've added another dried packet of yeast to try to put some fresh, healthy cells in there. Uh, maybe it starts fermenting again, but it really is producing some strong phenols. Um, you finally get it attenuated. You get it into bottles. You go back a couple months later, a couple of weeks, and you find that it's infected. The kind of worst of the worst of all the homebrew problems you have an effect on, usually bacterial. Um, and what happened here is because of all the stalls and the starts to the fermentation, because of all the leftover nutrients and leftover sugars, there was a lot more there for the bacteria than there would have been otherwise. Um, and so they were able to rapidly multiply. And so because of the poor pitch, because of all the extra work you've put in, the beer's now infected, it's now ruined. So having, now I'm not saying every time you underpitch that you're going to get this. When I underpitched this lager, um, my really effect was a little bit of a, a fruity nose to it. I'm kind of getting a little bit of apple pineapple in the background. But when you're trying to do a very light, clean German Pilsner, those flavors are really going to go through. If I was doing a big Imperial IPA, I'd probably be somewhere towards the stuck fermentation because I pitched, I think, about half of what I needed to on my cells. So again, putting in enough yeast is really going to guarantee a good fermentation. Um, it's going to guarantee that as long as you can keep temperature that you're not going to get stuck. So make sure you get enough cells in there.
So what are you buying when you buy? So we already talked a little bit about the dried yeast. You're getting about mm-hmm. 220 billion cells. All, it's funny. that All this makes the yeast sound like it's um, the most important part of the process. Well, not ju- I, w- I was going to say, you make it like all the different things that can happen make it sound like the yeast has such a mind of its own. But really what's <laughs> happening is you're just controlling what it's going to do because it's going to react to all these different stimulus, whatever, whatever stimuli. Yeah, it's like an aquarium. You're trying to provide the right conditions. But to be quite honest, even if you provide all the right conditions, it's still a living thing. It's going to do what it's going to do. You're trying to say some yeast is jerks. Like yes. Yeah, some, some yeast, yeast are cells jerks. are just jerks. Belgian Saison <laughs> is a jerk. <laughs> I, I have had so many stalled fermentations that yeast likes it right around 90, 95 degrees. So right when you're sitting there on a weekend where it's too hot to do anything else and you're saying, I'm going to brew a Belgian Saison, sure enough, the temperature gets down to the mid-80s, and that's just way too cold for that yeast, and it just shuts down. What There's a, a couple other yeasts that are out there that are kind okay. of jerks, but that one particularly, any brewer who's had much experience with it can tell you it's an SOB. Okay. So, all right, so when you buy the dried yeast, you're getting 220 billion cells, we'll say on average per pack, or at least so they claim. And if you're going to trust that number, you better trust your dried yeast company. And I did, and that might have bit me a little bit. Now, the liquid yeast companies are a little more honest, and they tell you that they're getting 100 um, billion cells per pack. Um, And then they have a little bit of a disclaimer. If you go to their website and you look at their pitch recommendations just in a shorthand description, they'll tell you one package is good for beer up to 60 points at 5 gallons. Then if you go over to their pitch rate calculator, which is actually what I use to get these numbers, on that same beer it tells you you need two packages. So a little bit of yeah. you know, kind of telling you what you want to hear there. Um, and the truth is you probably do need two to three packages on most beers. Because if they're giving you 100 billion cells and you want you know, it's close to 250, you're going to need two packages to get that beer moving. Um, the other thing I like to mention all the time, because I'm sure there's some people who are standing up right now and saying, you know, I've done tons of 7% IPAs. I've only used one liquid yeast pack. I've enjoyed every single beer, um, and that's great. I agree with you. I've done it a bunch too, and I've gotten away with it. Um, sometimes you're pitching low, and you're just kind of hoping that you get through. Other times you pitch low, and you're trying to stress the yeast. You're trying to create these flavors. Um, English bitters are one where you see that often, um, as well as Belgian Saison um, or uh, Irish Red Ale, where if you're trying to get those phenolic effects and a little bit of butterscotch flavor, uh, you can do that through temperature control, but you can also do that through pitch rate. So by controlling your pitch rate, you can kind of stress the yeast just a little bit and get them to produce the flavors that you want. Um, So while this isn't a required amount, it is definitely a recommended amount. And I know a lot of brewers are now starting to see this as kind of a required cell count to start a beer. Um, Again, and if you are a little short, the worst you're going to end up with is a little bit more flavor out of the yeast. If you're way short, you may end up with, you know, a lot of flavors you don't want and including an infection. So kind of how much yeast do we really need here? Now, there's a couple of factors, and we really have to look at what you're brewing first. And I would always encourage people to kind of take a guess longhand um, what they think they need, and then go ahead and go to an app. I like to use the Y Yeast Calculator. There's also a great one on Mr. Malty um, and Brewer's Friend. I go there for a lot of my other calculations. So a lot of times I'll just 
hop over there at the end of the recipe and they have a great yeast calculation that both does both liquid yeast and dry yeast and can help you factor in a starter as well. So the higher the gravity of the beer, the more cells. The colder the fermentation, more cells. And obviously, the larger the volume, more cells. Um, what I use for a general rule of sum, if I'm not going to do a calculation, is each one of those factors doubles it. So if I'm doing a you know 5% ale, I'm using one package. If I'm doing a lager or a high alcohol beer, double it, two packages. If I'm doing a high alcohol lager, quadruple it, four packages of dried yeast. If you were using liquid yeast, that would be over eight packs wow. of liquid yeast. If there's any sucker out there who's ever brewed a Doppelbach needed 750 billion cells and you bought eight packs of Y yeast, please contact us. We're going to ridicule you. You need to make starters. Um, you don't want to be spending almost 70 to $60 every single batch uh, on your yeast. It's just getting a little bit extreme. It's as much as all the other ingredients you're putting in. So if you're doing these big beers, especially strong lagers, you're going to need to do starters. Um, your beers are going to benefit, but so will your wallet. Uh, and it's something you really need to think about. Um, a 100 billion cells in a smack pack run overnight on a starter quickly turns into about 250 to 350 billion cells, depending on the starter. So you can very quickly, and for about you know $2 in dried malt extract, in about 30 minutes of your time the night before, turn your one package of yeast, and it doesn't have to be a liquid. You can do a starter with dry yeast. I do it all the time, um, and it will really jump up your count, um, and you'll get enough cells. So two bucks of dried malt, um, about an hour of your time at most, and you'll have enough cells, and you'll save, if you're brewing that Doppelbach, seven packs of Y yeast. So you can, can you make one into as as big a batch as you really want to, or are there going to be Absolutely. cases? Absolutely. Really? I mean, um, large breweries employ a whole lab to culture this up, and um, smaller breweries are starting to do the same. Uh, we've had a lot of local breweries come in and pick up one or two packs of Y yeast, and they will turn that into a full, you know, eight or 15 barrel batch of beer. Um, they have to be careful. They have to slowly culture it up. And so they're doing small step to small step to small step to prevent that extreme one-time budding um, and to prevent the yeast from really getting scarred up. So they'll step it up multiple times, and then they'll pitch it into a larger beer. Um, but most of the yeast strains that we're using, if you think about it, have been propagated over and over and over again. Um, what a really good yeast lab will do, which I don't think any of our local breweries have yet, so they have to start with a fresh culture, is what we call a slant. They'll look at the cells that they want on a petri dish, and they will kill any yeast cells that don't match what they're looking for. So every once in a while, they'll pull a sample of the culture, they'll literally take a Petri dish and, by hand, murder every single yeast cell that isn't producing the right flavors, the right, you know, uh, attenuation, 
that they're looking for, uh, the right speed to fermentation, um, and they do this visually, and then they reculture it and try again. And by doing that, they continually uh, kind of clean up the culture. And this is the job of White Labs, it's the job of Yeast, Fermentus, Danstar, and then to culture it up and package it in a nice form for us. And if you decide to get into yeast culturing, if not only you're going to get into, okay, I need to get the right number of cells, but if I'm going to start culturing yeast, I'm going to save cultures to reculture, um, this is something that you're going to notice. Your strains are going to start to drift. You're going to start to get um, drier attenuations. If you're taking your um, yeast out of secondary, you might get um, kind of sharper flavors. Um, if you take it out of primary, you might get more buttery, fruity flavors and lower attenuation. So you'll see the yeast change over time if you start to reculture it yourself. Okay. So yeast pitch rate. That everything you ever needed to know on yeast pitch rate is there? No, that's probably about a third of it, but that's all <laughs> we have time to give you today. We've got time for about like two, three minutes. Like, if you were going to go to the the second and third part of it, like what I would the, refer you over to yeast uh, by Chris White and Jamil Janachev. Um, before that, the book called Yeast. The book, yep, we sell it at the store. Um, if you were say either in the culinary arts or the ECC or the Niagara College Brewing Program. This is one of your big textbooks. Um, and as a brewer, if you were only ever going to read one book on brewing uh, and you were really going to pay attention and read it all the way through, I would actually not point you to How to Brew or Charlie Papation. I would point you towards this book. Um, when I first bought this book, I kind of knew a lot of what I talked about today, but I didn't know the importance of it. And I, I didn't know that problems that I was sometimes getting later down the road, like this slightly fruity flavor to this lager, was actually being caused by things that I was doing immediately, day one or even the night before I was brewing. Um, and I also found that there was a lot of stuff that I was doing that I didn't need to. By reading this book, it really uh, changed the way I prep my yeast, changed the way I look at it going into a beer. Um, not only am I doing these big starters and stuff like that, I'm using house yeast a lot more. Um, by what I've learned in that book, by playing with the fermentation, having fermentation control, so using a yeast like Nottingham, starting it cool, slowly ramping up the temperature, um, pitching uh, sometimes what would be considered an excess of cells, I'm able to get that yeast to produce pseudo lagers uh, and beers that I never thought I would get it to produce. Gotcha. Um, so read that book. It's really going to um, help you kind of understand what's going on during those first seven days to 14 days in the fermenter where you're just kind of, you know, staring at it and hoping. As we talk about yeast is a living thing, um, they don't always do what we want it to do. But the more you learn about them, the more you're going to know what they tend to do. Uh, and I think that's really important, especially... Um, for home brewers, um, especially going into this holiday weekend when you're brewing, um, you don't have anybody to ask. You don't have anybody to come take a look at your fermenter or your croissant and say, like, is this right? You know, does this smell right? Get it right the first time and you won't have to worry about it. All right. Well, that'll do it for us for today. Uh, maybe we go further in depth sometime down the line. But want to wish everyone a happy 4th of July, happy Independence Day, and uh, enjoy your time off. Will do. You guys are closed for a couple days. So if you need anything from Niagara Tradition, get there today uh, before 4 o'clock. And if not, you're going to have to wait until Wednesday because yep. close Sunday as usual, close Tuesday for the 4th. And you take and a, might as well take Monday. Take a bridge day in, in between. You know, I have to work Monday. 
Ooh. Actually, I'll mention this. The 11-day power play, which has been going on downtown, yeah. it wraps up Monday morning, and I'll be at Harbor Center on WGR. So we're, we're going to be there as those guys break the record, congratulating them for that. So yes. hope that is tune very in. cool. I've been tuning in. They look very raggedly tired. tired. Well, oh, my I'm, I'm just wondering if Monday morning, if crack a beer or just pass out, what do you do? It's got to be the best beer of your life. Yeah. No, it, it's got to be the, the best beer or the best uh, bed, yeah, whatever right, they decide right. to go to. I think both would be a good combination after yeah. all that. So and that's possibly Monday. a shower, too. Yeah, Maybe exactly. So enjoy your weekend. And if you got three days off as well, might as well go brew yourself. You've been listening to Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Home Brew. Whether you're a seasoned brewer or just want to get started, visit them at 1296 Sheridan Drive in Tonawanda or online at nthomebrew.com. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Just Brew It.